Bobby, Bobby. Get out of here. That's going to be me for the next 18 months. It is? <clears throat> yeah. I am his unofficial campaign spokesman in Europe. Yeah. You love Bobby, do you? Yeah. So do the people. They do? Me and the people together. You and the people. <laughs> um, yeah, no. There's polls now pulling at 20% according to a Fox poll. Yeah. Among would-be Democrat voters. What about global warming, though? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Luckily, he toned that way down. Mm. I don't um, know if he did that because he doesn't believe it in the same way he used to. Mm. Or he said he says something that kind of makes a coherent sense. Mm. It still still gives away that he thinks man is you know responsible for well, regulating re- weather slash climate. But mm. he um, he's making it clear that the way the problem, as he believes, the problem exists is being solved. It's being done in the same way he complains that health issues are being, quote, solved by big pharma. Mm-hmm. So it's corrupt. What's going on is corrupt and is in no way ameliorating the things he did see up close and personal, which are statistically true, environmental crisis, massive pollution by big firms, mm-hmm. small firms, anyone. He's litigated for 40 years. He knows all about uh, actual environmental harm. So I know... I'd like to see it maybe some, someone should challenge him. Um, we'll, get, we'll get the full banana out of him where he stands on this now. Mm-hmm. Given that, you know, we're in the age of Greta. And yeah. uh, extremist, extreme rhetoric mm-hmm. basically suggesting to people from official source, from government spokespeople, that they need to basically become poor to save the planet. Uh, where does he stand on that spectrum? Because at the same time in his speeches, like we've seen in the last couple of weeks, or his interviews on TV, he's saying, you know, I'm standing up for America's poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've gotten poor through the whole COVID business, among other things. Inflation's killing them. Mm-hmm. So vote for me. I'm with you. Explain to us, Bobby, are you with them, the poor, vis-a-vis climate change? Because if you are, they're going to die in droves. So mm-hmm. square that circle for us. Mm. And what about uh, Russia and Ukraine? Oh, I thought he did that really good. Yeah, definitely. Um, We've been the whole story about his son going, you know, mm-hmm. that was cute. Because the way he explained that was, um, we Americans have, you know, well, this is this is the mirage, right? The myth, the national mythos. So he tapped into that first and says, we believe in standing up for the little guy, you know. Like mm-hmm. the Avengers out there, or Batman, you know, seeking to punish the, those who 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 re, uh, um, so injustice anywhere in the world, right? Mm-hmm. So we jump into Ukraine. We're like, this is terrible. Hang on, what are you doing, big guy Russia to little guy Ukraine? We're gonna sort you out, you know. Then he's explained that's the impulse that sent his son there. Now his son's home. He hadn't explained why exactly. But he segued from that story, which squarely puts him on the side of pro-Ukraine, anti-Russia, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. To has anyone asked why are we in Ukraine? Because I remember at the beginning of this that we were told we were there because Russia is illegally invaded. Well, since then, the Secretary of Defense Austin and Biden have said that actually our purpose has changed. Our purpose now is to bleed the Russian economy and the Russian military. Mm-hmm. 
And then Biden said, of course, on more than one occasion now, our purpose is to deplatform, i.e. regime change Putin in the mm -hmm. Kremlin. Mm -hmm. So he said, no, 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 that's not what you told us at the start. We need to talk about this because what's happening to Ukraine in real terms is that you've wiped out an entire generation of Ukrainians. Mm -hmm. They've either left because they're refugees elsewhere or they're dead because they were forced to fight. So you see what I mean? It's, it's a qualifying statement. But he, at the outset, they're not going to be able to hit him with, yeah. you're a Russian agent, yeah. you see? Yeah, yeah. Well, they will anyway, probably, if he gets very, very far. But he obviously is aware of that. I think he's aware of that. And he's, you know, he's from a political family and he's no slouch. And he realizes that in order to have any chance of actually getting the Democratic nomination, he's going to have to uh, tone down. He can't be too extreme, basically, right? If you're too extreme, forget about it. It's still pretty. Do you want to see a section of his manifesto? How long? Um, it's not him saying it. We can just read it out. Okay. Um, just a clip, uh, a, a snip from his website. Um, as depends on what you mean by extreme. <laughs> yeah. Well, extreme from the point of view of Washington D.C. Like. Oh, this is extreme. Yeah, yeah. This is this is totally like. Um, yeah. Uh, I sent it to Scotty. There. It's basically. From the website, yeah, campaign website. So this would be his official stance on foreign policy for the United States. Maybe if you um, click on the left one first, I won't read the whole thing, but <clears throat> yeah, again, it frames it in, you know, right. our empathy for the Ukrainian people suffering. Well, that already puts him at odds with Washington establishment who want to keep the Washington establishment want to keep the war going, right? And he says we got to put an end to the suffering of the Ukrainian people. So. Eh. We have to stop seeing the world in terms of enemies and adversaries. Blah, blah, blah. John Quincy Adams, he's quoted him a few times. Go, we will put an end to this war. Okay, that's, you know, I mean, they've all done that. Obama said, I'm going to end the Iraq war. He did, kind of, by a second term, but... Uh, um, so he wants to end the Ukraine war, but to go to the next one. As president... I will start the process of unwinding empire. We will bring the troops home. And That's heresy. The speech, he's talking about all 800 bases, including the lily pads and the secret stocks and stashes and underground air bases and the whole lot. The whole lot. We it's will end around. the proxy wars, bombing campaigns, covert operations, coups, paramilitaries, and everything else that has become so normal. Most people don't know what's happening. So that's more or less like splintering the CIA into a thousand pieces, right? Because that's pretty much proxy wars, bombing campaigns, covert operations, coups, and paramilitaries. Uh, that's CIA uh, tradecraft right there. So you end that, you end the CIA, you end its raison d'etre. Yeah, yeah. The CIA slash what has become a parallel U.S. government. It's a whole superstructure. It's, yeah. yeah. So um, that's basically MAGA, um, just kinder. Mm. Yeah, Democratic MAGA. Yeah. He said, I said it a few times now. Maybe he's going with it. Make the U.S. an enviable democracy again or something like that. I know. It's a pipe dream, but still, he's articulating. MADA. Make America dem democratic again. Yeah. MADA. Uh, Instead th of he's, mad. he's cited Adam several times because he was saying at the outset, uh, 250 years ago, you can't be an empire abroad and... Mm -hmm. um, he didn't use the term democracy at the time, but you can't be a functioning constitutional republic mm -hmm. at home and an empire abroad. That's just, and that, that's that's been borne out by history. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
Uh, also this week in U.S. politics, Biden has formally announced his re-election. Re- 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 well, Biden's handlers told him to read it out. Anyway, he wants to do it. He would be 86 if he won a second term. By the end of it. Yeah. That dotering, dotard. It's funny, the North Koreans call Trump a dotard, but that didn't really apply. Um, in that circumstance, Biden really is faltering. Um Hmm. Most of the time, I yeah, they will be, they will be mad to have him run again. I think who Trump, Biden, oh Biden, yeah, well somebody, somebody has to, somebody for the establishment. Hmm. There must be other candidates. Surely Kamala, Kamala, she's very, she's kind of philosophical. No. Mm, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I don't know who they're going to pick. I mean, I think Biden will, will go for it. Like, they don't care at this point, you know. Uh, as long as he can keep himself, you know, the side of the grave type thing, and still, uh, still, uh, as long as he can t- continue to, you know, he just mostly, needs- you know, express himself relatively coherently. Then why not? Like, that's all. I mean, that's all he's done. That was the requirement for his first term. You know, he was already in. in in bad enough shape then, you know. Mm. Um, so if he doesn't degrade very much between now and then, now and next year, like, why not shove him in there, you know? I still think, like I was saying, I've, I've said it a few times and I said it to you, and you had some quibbles about whatever you didn't think it was going to happen, but I think there's going to be a hung election. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a, a balls up, basically, and... Mainly because the, there's no system. It hasn't happened before in the US. Yeah. It has in the British Parliament, but... Yeah. Well, in um, other countries, yeah, for, but that's because other countries allow, allow, allow for elections. It's parliamentary elections, whatever. This, this is not. We're talking about a presidential election here. There, you know, there's no such thing as a. In, in the same way there is in the US, there's no such thing as a, as a presidential election in European countries, whatever you know, um, where that's the, the new government type thing or the controlling the controlling party. Um, so other countries have <coughs> parliamentary elections, and that's the most important thing. And you can have, uh, kind of split, you can have governments, you know, coalition governments, many different parties. You can't have two presidents, you can't have a, a joint presidency where it's shared between a Democrat and a Republican, you know. Um, so it's either it's one or nothing, you know. One or one or other, you know, it's, 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 there's no sharing of it. But I think that could happen. Obviously, it clearly can happen. It just doesn't happen for some reason. But I think uh, conditions are, at this point anyway, are, are right for it to happen, you know. Where basically DeSantis runs uh, as well as Trump, either one of them as an independent, one of them gets the the Republican nomination, the other doesn't, and says, "Screw you, I'm going to run anyway." That's the part, yeah. But that's that would the happen. Big if. Yeah, I think that I th- hasn't happened before. Uh, yeah. Well, once, ha- once it's been whittled down to yeah. one of GOP or DNC after June mm. before November, mm. no one has then no member that ran, that ran for the nomination then I ran, think. ran. I don't know. So that's a big if. Yeah. That's my quibble with it. My second quibble would be you're assuming that all three candidates get the... Let's, how do you say? The, the, the counts go accurately for three people. Mm. Whereas it isn't tipped or uh, mm. nudged at the death. Make it more complicated though to, to rig it three ways type thing instead of rigging just two ways, you know, one way. You well, know. if you have one favour, <coughs> you're only... Yeah. But but you got to steal steal votes from two other people, you know, mm-hmm. two other major people. I mean, in other elections, you see, there's always independents run and stuff, and they get one two percent of the vote maximum, whatever, you know. <clears throat> it's just a matter of upping that, you know, uh, independents uh, running in this in this election, but getting much more 
there being a split in the in the establishment parties, you know, particularly the Republican Party. <clears throat> but it's not beyond. It's not beyond. Uh, I I don't think it'll be a split in the Democratic Party. If Biden were to run, all Democrats would vote for Biden. Basically, you know, I, mean, I don't think there'd be a split that side, but there could be a split the other side, which means you'd have three contenders. Basically, yeah. there which has means to that be. Electoral college votes are, are have to be split three ways, and are split three ways, and nobody gets two hundred and seventy. We'll, we'll see is, after June. The big if is for that to happen. There's such an uproar over whatever they decide at either DNC or the RNC. 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 Yeah, there would have to be uproar. And it would have to go differently than it did in 2016 now when the DNC, despite like <laughs> being so open, there were court cases and everything. And it was acknowledged in one of them uh, that Debbie Wasserman Schultz think- had thrown it for Hillary yeah. against Bernie and it required his compliance <clears throat> but this time it would require someone to do n- not a Bernie yeah. and to say no no not this time well I think the most the most likely scenario would be where um, Ron DeSantis gets the nomination you know uh, the formal yeah yeah and he, he becomes the Democratic or the Republican nominee for, for, for president and then you've got more than enough Trump supporters would be outraged at that and would push and Trump all Trump would have to do would be decide to run as independent which he technically is um, you know he's outside politics so he would be be natural for him to run as independent and then he would get a significant amount of votes and then you'd have that's the way you split it you know you'd have the, the loyal the Trump loyal uh, voters who would vote for him as an independent but then you'd have a Republican Party Loyalists who would feel obliged to vote for the Republican nominee, which, be, which would be DeSantis, because that's how you immediately split the Republican yeah. vote, and that's a big part of the country. And they get, you know, fifty percent. You get twenty five, twenty five, uh, or more, because um, probably you might get actually more. You know, there's probably more Republican uh, again, yeah, voters. But again, it's like like you said, if you throw rigging into it, whatever, all bets are off, you know. But I still think it's a possibility. I think it'd be awesome. It would be it'd be the best possible outcome for America. Next year, next November. <laughs> it would. That's easy for you to say. Yeah. You're not in it. <laughs> I'd just be, well, America's too big. Most people in America can feel they're not in it as well. Most people in America feel that they're not in I know. American party politics because they live so far away from Washington, D.C. in the center of all that bullshit. You know what I mean? I mean, people down in the, out in the boondocks in the south or in the northwest or in the northeast or whatever are, are somewhere lost in the, in the, in the, in the, in the what do you call it? The, the rust, the rust belt. The rust belt, or the Appalachians. Yeah, or I mean the deep south. The they, tragedy of it is that when country. the tragedy comes full circle, looking back these last fifteen years of the regime, it will be that those that large grouping of previously apathetic and lost to the system people will have been pulled back into it by Trump. And so yeah. you know what I mean? They'll be able to be, they'll, yeah, well, they'll be in the game at most upset. Right. When well, the vote for him, they'd be better off if not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But the vote for him was a, was a, was evidence of uh, the feelings among a vast number of Republican voters that they had been disenfranchised, that they were no longer represented by anything that went on in Washington D.C. in the, the pre- presidential elections. Well, a lot of people, but Republicans were the most vocal about it in terms of. You know, one of the things Kennedy has been saying is um, there's Democrats out there who feel the same way. Yeah, tr- Trump won in 2016 because he said Kennedy Democrats voted for him. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. Damn straight. That this is an amazing. This is like this brings us full circle back to 1963. Trump's the populist establishment. CIA hates him. Wants him out. Succeeds kind of in controlling him. Mm. Um, 1963. Those Kennedy Democrats now have an interesting dilemma. Yeah. Here, do you go with Bobby's son or Trump? Mm. Because both wow. will articulate broadly wow. a populist. They take they, they take Bobby's son, like obviously. You know what I mean? It's a it's finally you know somebody they can actually get behind you know without having to hold their nose type thing you know. Do you want to see his first campaign ad? Who's go on? It's not since you love him so long. much. Wait, let's see the intro. What we need in the United States is not division. What we need in the United States is not hatred. What we need in the United States is not violence and lawlessness, but is love and wisdom and compassion toward one another. Every nation has a darker side, and the easiest thing for a politician to do is to appeal to our hatred and our anger and our bigotry and greed and xenophobia and all the alchemies of demagoguery. My father and my uncle had a vision for America, a vision of racial harmony, of prosperity for all Americans, of peace in the world, and of honest government. Their lives were tragically cut short, and America took a different path. Yet the possibility they foresaw is still alive, the America that almost was and yet may be. I've been fighting corporate corruption my entire life, but I understand that today, the problem is much larger than a few crooked individuals. The problem is a system that no longer serves the people and a people who are so divided and so fearful that they are easily ruled. It's time to unlearn the reflexes of fear and blame and find ways to unify ourselves and turn our country around. I won't pretend to you that it will be easy, but I know what it will take. My father said it, love, wisdom and compassion toward one another and that's where we need to start we will scale down the war machine and bring our resources home we will rebuild our water systems repair our roads modernize our railroads and clean up our environment we will also clean up government and earn back the people's Drain trust the swamp. we will end the secrecy the censorship and the surveillance we will again be a fearless land of liberty the cost of freedom is always high, but Americans have always paid it. We will face honestly the darker parts of our history, the genocide, the racism, not to shame or blame or punish, but to repair as best we can in a spirit of compassion and kindness toward all. I'm inviting all of you to join me to create an America that we can believe in and be proud of again. I'm Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and I'm running for President of the United States. Awesome. Do it. Let's see. Um, yeah, it's drained the swamp, but yeah, nicer. Yeah. Um, Anias, uh, I asked previously about the, in, in the chat there about, wasn't it, what did he write? You can't scroll up, can you? Um, um, he asked about, wouldn't, in the event of a hung election, Hong presidential election in the U.S. If the 
you know, electoral college would then decide how, how that would be resolved. Well, it's not. It's resolved by Congress. Congress. As soon as nobody, if nobody gets 270 electoral college votes, which is half, so it's basically seen as it's, it's, it's set up like if you don't get half, somebody's always going to get half, basically. You have to get 270, which is half of the 540. Um, um, if, you don't, if, if that doesn't happen, if it's a three-way split in some way, which, like you said, hasn't happened, then uh, Congress has to decide. Congress just has a simple majority, 50-50, but then you have a very divided Congress, and the same thing could happen in Congress. I've got it all laid out, Neil. It's going to happen, right? The band's <laughs> going to make it. Anyway, um, yeah, speaking of presidential candidates, what about last night there was the um, press corps uh-huh. dinner that Biden was at, you know, the yearly thing where they tell jokes and make fun White of each House other? annual White House correspondence dinner. Um, obviously, if you, not much to, to... It's just... It was, Pretty pathetic, but anyway, um, there's a part in it here you'll see where Joe just played there actually. Um, somebody, one of the speakers, makes a bit of a joke, a poignant, pertinent joke. Well, happy to be here. Oh, real quick, Mr. President, I think you left some of your classified documents up here. You can get to the. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, don't give them to him. I'll put them in a safe place. He don't know where to keep them. I'm a... Happy to be here, though. Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> classified doc, you know, leaving classified documents like not, you know, taking them from from the White House and putting them in the wrong place or giving them to somebody else. It's funny. It's a joke, right? Except with Trump, Trump, right? Trump did super serious. This is this is impe- impeach. Can we impeach him? No, he's not president anymore. Send him to jail, right? Yeah. But at the White House uh, correspondence dinner, it's a big joke, and you can make fun of it, right? Um, so, yeah, it's an example of how superficial the whole thing is, right? I mean, as if that needs to be said, but they get away with it. You know, Trump can be. You know, accused of anything and everything uh, without any basis, and it gets it's across the media and it's Trump. It's but Biden's son can be. But Biden's son can, can be actual have actual evidence of massive corruption, which we talked about last week. Um, and the DOJ is like we have John. This, we have um, Blinken. Did we talk about this last week? We did, didn't we? Uh, Blinken, the current Secretary of State. Was, oh, in the run-up to 2020. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he basically got the... It was in the media, yeah. uh, but didn't get much much coverage, but... Uh, he Blinken, got the CIA to, to rally, rally around 51, as it turned out, 51, symbolic number, uh, to, to rally around saying that the Hunter Biden laptop story that was published in the New York Post about that basically the, the laptop story being that Hunter Biden's laptop had been left at a laptop repair shop and uh, certain people had got access to it and it um, there was information on there showing that his son had been running a kind of a crooked, corrupt criminal scam, and a, not a scam but a kind of cash for access to my father the vice president in Ukraine with Ukrainians, with the Chinese and all that kind of stuff stuff that Trump talked about at the time and wanted the Bidens investigated for it and he got impeached for that mm-hmm. well, they tried to impeach him for asking the Ukrainians to look into this evidence that now has become uh, has been revealed as factual by a former CIA director who said, yes, Anthony Blinken, the current Secretary of State, called me and said, listen, can you do something about this Hunter Biden laptop story that's coming out in, in August 2020 um, that has been posted published by the New York Post, which is going to look bad for, for Biden's re-election. It's going to, you know, not be good for his re-election. So can you get the intel community to rally around and produce a document saying this is Russian Russian disinformation? And it's like, what do you mean? They didn't say it was that 
the Russians had somehow put that information on the laptop. They just said, yeah, there's no evidence that this isn't actually Hunter Biden's laptop and that the documents on it aren't actually factual, but we still think it's Russian disinformation. The fact that anybody's talking about it is Russian disinformation. I mean, it's true. So any, any evidence, any hard factual evidence of American government corruption, American establishment corruption, that gets talked about in the media or among, in social media is it's the Russians forcing the people to talk about because ordinarily American people on social media would not talk about the corruption in politics unless the Russians encouraged them to do so. And that's the problem, right? Right. That, that's why, that's why the, the, the allegations are, 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 are not valid because we say the yeah. Yeah. Is, isn't it it's full of hypocrisy but it's so bad that yeah, is I know. so it's bad clear cut we're living in like the last days of not just uh, not the Biden administration of the regime of this kind of well uh, Trump and others have said the weaponization of the justice system mm. uh, against your political opponents and of course someone who's been all over that since 2016 especially since second half of Trump administration, Tucker Carlson, he's now gone. I think after a week of considering it, it's quite cut and dried for me that he was fired because we're going into an election year. These people are interested in the short term. He's gotten rid of it somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's short term. I think for all that, I did initially think, damn, I bet that's because they don't want a voice for a platform for Robert. F. Kennedy Jr. to get to because Tucker Carlson was giving one. Mm -hmm. Since then, however, Bobby Jr. has been on CNN and ABC, even though they try to, you know, stifle him and insinuate all kinds of evil shit about him. Um, so that my theory there about him getting zero platform other than what he could have gotten on Tucker Carlson, not quite true. But I think in general, they just don't want this loudmouth, popular extremely articulate guy in the run-up to... Because the more... Every election is crucial. But the, the more we get into this state where rank corruption is just not talked about and phony charges are inflated against mm. Trump and others. Anybody. It's getting more and more, like, desperate to hold on to that power. You, you will do increasingly flagrant things, you know? Mm. Maybe I'm too early. Maybe there'll be something that will come out that will either confirm or probably not. You know, it's probably going to be hush-hush as to the exact reason why Carlson was fired. Right. Well, he, hopefully he himself will articulate something. Yeah. Well, la like last Sunday we were talking about him. We were talking about that exact point that Tucker Carlson given. Uh, we were talking about uh, RFK Jr. And uh -huh. uh, he had been on Tucker Carlson's show and, you know, announcing his candidacy and stuff. And, you know, we were saying that that's, you know, it's going to be a... Uh, that you know, it's a problem for for the establishment. I said it's going to be an interesting eighteen months because right. this will help and then push the, his message. Right, and, and the, twelve hours later, he's gone. Tucker's gone, and then a few days go by, and he says nothing. And then um, Wednesday, I think it was, he just put on his Twitter account. I think it's the only thing he's actually uh, said publicly um, since he was quote unquote fired from from Fox News and. So far, it was, it was put up on Wednesday, I think, the 27th, uh, or is that Thursday? Thursday. Um, and it's got, since then, it has had, at least on Twitter, it's had 80, almost 80 million views. 
Nuts. 80, I mean, that's, okay, you can allow for some repeat, repeat viewing, but that's like 80 million people. So that's like, that's about like 40%, 35, 40% of the adult, well, of course, of course not American, but I was going to say it's 40% of the American adult population, but uh, it wasn't just Americans watching it. But it's only a couple of minutes. Do we want to play it? Yeah. Because it dovetails, dovetails pretty well with what um, Kennedy was saying. Good evening, it's Tucker Carlson. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's gotta be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. Mm -hmm. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink, and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we shouldn't write him off just yet. But, um, well, it depends where he's going to go, but we'll see. Yeah. Have, it's well, one thing to have an online presence, but... To have a corporation backing it, mm. it helps. Mm -hmm. You know, well, on social media, certainly has a has access to a lot of people. You yeah. know what I mean? It's still only a, a relatively small percentage of the population that actually have um, an account on Twitter. But and it's not just Twitter. Obviously, that would have been <coughs> copied to other platforms and stuff. It's hard to quantify the actual number yeah, of, yeah. of people who saw it. But and of course, that's part of the problem is that the, I'd say that at this point, the majority at least the majority, if not the large majority of Americans are not interested in anything he just said, are not aware. I mean, they're vaguely aware of it being a problem, but they don't, they're not interested, they don't take part in, in that broad-scale meta uh, kind of nar narrative or, or conversation. Um, very few do, you know, they're focused on their own particular lives and, and maybe specific local issues or their own particular issues, whatever, but they're, they're not interested. They don't have the... 
I don't know if you need to, <laughs> need to be good at abstract thinking in a certain sense to, to, to see the bigger picture or to look at it from, from, from a, a broader perspective rather than your own particular issues, you know, because uh, your own issues are part of a bigger, a bigger most, dynamic anyway. You know? Most Americans then at this point still <clears throat> think most things are fine. I think most of them, yeah, uh, they just keep their head down and carry on uh, like most people in you know, the rest of the world. Uh, in, in anywhere. Fact, just, yeah. Anywhere in the world, just keep their heads down. Like they pay passing attention to so if something crosses on the, passes on the screen or whatever, like that's brought to their attention. But other than that, they, you know, th- but the problem is that they feel that things are bad. There's a problem. There's no, not a lot of thinking going on and too and too much uh, feeling going on. But they're getting a sense that things aren't right. Things, aren't, but they, again, they focus too locally on particular issues that are causing problems for them in their local, uh, in their lo- in their own personal lives or in the local community, or whatever. You know, they don't realize that's part of a bigger problem. And you need to look at the bigger problem. That's that that is uh, um, being fil- that your local problems are filtering down from that larger problem. But then that becomes too much for a lot of people, you know. I'm, when we fix the system, I'm trying to fix my local little problems here, the issues within my my family or my extended community. Um, like, you want me to drain the swamp or something, you know what I mean? And, you know, that's what we need Trump for, right? Uh, so people, so obviously, but again, talk about draining the swamp, a lot of people are aware that something needs to be done at a higher level, you know. Top-down changes are important. Because you can try and fix your issues at, at local levels and stuff, but if the if the the infection keeps spreading down, you're going to be chasing your tail all the time. You know. Um, did we talk, did I talk last week about the that there was one story in the mainstream media? It was a couple of weeks ago, and it was from uncensored documents from a from a Guantanamo Bay military commission mm-hmm. recently. Did I talk about that? I don't think so. No. About about. Basically, about nine eleven pilots being uh, or nine eleven hijackers being yes CIA agents. I did mention, it, didn't I? We did mention it last week. Yeah. I think I must have put it up. That this is this is the article. I didn't know it was from Guantanamo. Yeah, there were there were uncensored documents from the Guantanamo Guantanamo Military Commission, which right. is handling the cases of defendants accused of carrying out the nine eleven attacks. Basically, what it revealed is it, it's it's something that's been around for a while, going back several years. Um, but now, for the first time, they're unredacted. Yes. And it gives more details, and but it still focuses on the idea that there was some kind of a, ultimately, well, CIA slash Saudi intelligence yeah. involvement with the nine eleven hijackers. Yeah, because they were handling them and or blocking FBI investigations yeah. of these two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the FBI was trying to, uh, you know, there's there's other there's other details about it, but how the FBI was investigating after nine eleven, looking into these these individuals, and found out that they um, was running into a kind of brick wall when they come up against evidence about the Saudis. C- Saudis and the CIA running these guys, basically, you know. Um, so it seems it seems that what, um, just for people who don't know, here's, here's 9-11 in like 20 seconds, right? <laughs> what happened on 9-11 in, in 20 seconds? It looks like, obviously, the CIA was involved with these hijackers, uh, also Saudi intelligence. But that basically what, what was going on with those quote-unquote hijackers is something that went on beforehand and what went on afterwards, and no one pays any attention because it's par for the course. Intel, intel uh, agency relationships with other outside intel agencies, running different operations and different schemes. Basically, um, that's what was going on. These guys were um, basically it, one possibility is that they were anti-Saudi. 
individuals who were in America, had come to America, and maybe were brought there by the CIA, but that um, they were they were maybe you know reactionaries or revolutionaries in a certain sense and wanted to get rid of the Saudi regime. The Saudis had identified them in that capacity, and they were following them. They were involved with them, spying on them, etc., keeping tabs on them in the U.S. because they saw them as a potential threat to the Saudi Arabians, uh, the Saudi government, the Saudi regime, I should say. Um, the other idea is that they were simply uh, Saudi. They weren't all Saudi Arabian necessarily anyway, right? They're, they're different backgrounds. But they came through Saudi Arabia to America in cooperation with the CIA to be trained in America by the CIA, to be put back in the Middle East to be the CIA's eyes and ears on the ground or infiltrate into certain groups in the Middle East to do things that the CIA couldn't do directly. So it's the kind of thing that, that happens all the time is, is, is very normal procedure for intel agencies, running agents, running people. That's why they were being taken over. They were given... Um, in the US and Florida, they were training on little Cessnas and stuff. They're going through the, mm. the basic training, let's say, to be a CIA asset in the Middle East. Except someone used them for something else. Uh, not that someone made them hijack those planes, because obviously, from, um, you know, in our opinion, uh, the evidence suggests that those planes were remotely hijacked and flown into the towers by someone else. Uh, yeah, these, no, ba- not, these guys were basically Patsies. These, yeah, they couldn't fly planes. Yes, they were Patsies. And they were used. So they they took individuals who are part of a normal intelligence, uh, CIA intelligence agency uh, operation, fairly benign, and turned into 9-11 hijackers, basically. Yeah. And that day when they boarded those planes, they they right. were doing what they'd done a dozen times. Right, they were going the, from one place to another. months leading right. up to that, maybe they were going to they were flying, they were, pick up something, right. trail somebody, visit some more hookers, which they had been doing, mm-hmm. actually, as so-called Islamic jihadists. Yeah. <laughs> they were going to strip bars in Vegas, yeah. routinely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. They, they thought it was a normal business day. They didn't get on those pla- right. planes. And, you know, remember the infamous CCTV still of mm-hmm. them? That's them. Mm-hmm. Terminal uh, at yeah. Logan Airport. Yeah. Done that they were there that morning. Fine, but doesn't mean that they no. knew what that was about to happen. They were victims, basically, um, which is interesting. Yeah, the perps for me, uh, the, yeah, were the victims. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Anyway, Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Um, for me, the interesting thing that, well, obviously, it's very interesting in terms of nine eleven, but also in general, there's something called the Safari Club. Mm. Uh, goes back to like the seventies, I think. It's an explicit workaround. There were parts of the world the CIA could not access. They mm-hmm. couldn't have agents run because they couldn't get into those countries. Mm-hmm. So Too dangerous. Other countries like Saudi Arabia or elements within mm-hmm. it agreed to create the, informally the Safari Club where they would do CIA activities on their behalf mm-hmm. and run operations locally in the Middle East, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of parallel networks of the quote-unquote deep state that mm-hmm. are a part of the wallpaper. They're part of the very functions of yeah. how this world has been run for yeah. the last century. Yeah. The Safari Club was, one of the primary objectives of the Safari Club was to do, as you said, run you know, Western intelligence assets in the Middle East region in order to keep Russia out. Yeah. To push back against Russian influence in the Middle right. East. So all very standard kind of stuff. And this was just one small part of a big operation that had been going on for decades and decades and continued afterwards. But these 19 guys... Um, 
And in fact, they may not even be 19 of them. No. Because, uh, yeah. of course, what happens in that situation when, you, when you're running that kind of a, when you're taking people from the Middle East, let's, let's say, to America to be trained, et cetera, and then you, they're, given diff- they're given new names, right? They're given false identities, all that kind of stuff, because depending on what they have to do. So that's why you had, and, and it's, in, on the, it's in the BBC, actually, not long after 9-11 attacks, a few years maybe. It came out, uh, and it's on a BBC article about how a bunch of the alleged 9-11 hijackers, the names of them, and even their photographs. So, you know, where they posted the photographs of all the 9-11 hijackers, the 19 of them and their names. Like, I think there was something like seven or eight of them all spoke up from different parts yeah. of, of, of the Middle East and, and Asia, like in, India, uh, Pakistan, Pakistan in particular, a few, a few um, saying that I'm not... I'm not a 9-11 hijacker, I'm not dead, I'm actually here. Can anybody, you know, just let, you know, I'm... Shut up, I'm you're not dead. Sh- <laughs> so obviously those those identities were stolen, given to yeah. given oh. to someone or just made up. You know, how many actual individuals, it gets very smoke and mirrors at this point, how many people of the... 19, yeah. How many 19 hijackers actually existed in, in bodily form in America? Probably a lot less. There weren't 19 of them. Oh, yeah, who knows? Um... Do you remember the Oklahoma bombing in 1996? There was a bunch of Saudis involved in that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the periphery, maybe running other trucks that went by the building that right. day. You know, um, those are people who are doing something that they uh, they, they are recently. involved in something else and don't know that they're involved yeah. in, in in what they ended up being involved in. I think it was last it's year, called a patsy, or, or two years ago. Um, Saudis, Saudi nationals. Um, not spooks, actual tr- military guys in training were at a, a U.S. air base in Florida. Mm. And one of them shot up a bunch of people, mm-hmm. killed five people. Mm. <laughs> it was like, at first I thought, this is going to go like, this is going to be a major media event, freaking scandal, diplomatic. Oh, my God, who was this guy? Initially, they were saying he was like, you know, Al-Qaeda wannabe. Ah, oh, Akbar. But then they just ate it. They just hushed the whole thing up. But who knows, like... Did he just go off or something? Mm. But they covered it up because yeah. he was under... National security. Yeah, national security. Um, you know, during the week, I think, was it It was since was it since last week or was it since our last show? Anyway, uh, Elon Musk started putting, recently started putting a government-affiliated website or government-sponsored website yeah. because of the whole, you know, the way a lot of social media put that on, on Russian uh, news outlets that put Russian government supported. Uh, he started to put it on the BBC, yeah. on C-SPAN, and a bunch you know, Canadian a, CBC, a bunch NPR, of, bunch of others, right? And they all they weren't happy about it. And at least I think was it the NPR actually uh, deleted their Twitter account as a result. They said, "How dare you!" Few of them, except, yeah. and the problem is that they, you know, it's publicly known, and they themselves admitted that they get funding from the from the Canadian government. <laughs> Anyway, um, but you're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to, you know, tar us with that, with that propaganda brush right there. You know that that, that smear. You're not allowed to smear us in that way by saying that we're not an independent media organization, despite the fact that we get money from, from the government. <clears throat> so, um, but then he changed it to um, publicly funded. At least for the BBC, he changed it. He had it on the BBC initially, and then he changed it to publicly funded for the BBC because technically, you know. The, the BBC gets taxpayers' money, right? So it's given money. Um, it's it's ordinary people's money. <clears throat> That's why the BBC is a free service for British English British citizens because they're paying for it, right? So 
publicly not so bad, right? Except uh, that money still flows through the government <coughs> to the BBC, it's, right? It's incredible. <coughs> Do you remember uh, when COVID kicked off? Who? COVID kicked off. <coughs> um, pandemic emergency response measure in the UK. The UK government basically commandeered the entire media apparatus, mm. newspapers, BBC, mm. Sky, it didn't matter who, public, private, small, large, and said, your entire advertising space is ours mm-hmm. and we will pay for it. Yeah. All of it. <clears throat> so, like, it's like... But everybody agreed that everybody was a good thing to do. Everybody became one entity. Right. But that was a good thing to do because it was saving lives, right? Hands, face and space. Protect granny, right? So, um, but anyway, I thought this was interesting um, as, a, as a kind of a, a spin on that particular question of whether or not the BBC, for example, is state-funded or is influenced by government policy or in its, in its reporting, it's influenced by government policy. Uh, <clears throat> this is just from a couple of days ago. The BBC chairman, right, so the top dog in the BBC, Richard Sharp, resigned on Friday, t- two days ago, after an independent report found he breached rules by not disclosing a potential conflict of interest in his role in securing a one million loan <coughs> for the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Hmm. So the BBC isn't government controlled media, it but it does have its 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 chief executive has been exposed as having basically securing one million pounds for the prime minister. Is that, I don't know, is, that, is there influence there? I don't know. When they go to the same dinner parties on <coughs> Friday night and swap wives, uh, is, are they like, are they meeting of minds going on maybe? Are they yeah. all the same? Yeah, yeah. Maybe? <laughs> It's anyway, incestuous. It's, 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 it's the kind of distinction of Westernia that no longer matters. It's become a meaningless abstraction because we live in a pathocracy. Mm-hmm. Like before, you know, separation of powers, legislative, executive, mm-hmm. judiciary. What the fuck does that even mean anymore? Separation of church and state. What does that mean anymore? The rule of law, you know, we're all equal under the law. All this is all of this is meaningless now. It's, yeah. it's pure crony capitalism. Yeah. Which means it's one. You can either call it an a fusion of the state and corporations. What's that? Fascism. Well, call it what you want. Um, but there's some, you know, with these revelations, horrific, horrible revelations, or not horrible revelations, but revelations that, you know, kind of validate what we've been saying for so long and where we just go nod our heads and go, yeah, yeah, kind of been, you know, predicted that a long time ago, said that was happening a long time ago, now it's coming out. But there are other stuff, you know, it seems like, it seems like at this point in, in history there's an awful lot of stuff coming out, um, obviously about corruption and the true nature of government and pathocracy and how it operates and all that kind of stuff and the world we really live in and who's ruling it and what they're doing. But, um, and that's all kind of, Shocking to a lot of people and even to us it's kind of dismaying because, you know, you see the fact that this information has been revealed and nobody does anything about it. You know, like we mentioned about uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story and the CIA directly aiding Biden by covering that up and admitting it that they covered it up, pretended it was Russian disinformation and in that way sec- arguably secured the election for, for Biden. Mm-hmm. And there's crickets from the American population. Right. Nothing. They're all up in arms when they're told that Trump was trying to steal the election, or supposedly they're up in arms. But a bunch of when them. actual evidence, so they're told through 
lies and made up narratives that Trump stole their election or Trump did this and it's all lies. There's no foundation to it and they get all worked up about it or some people get worked up about it, a lot of people. Uh, but when actual hard evidence comes out that the other guy was actually inf- interfered and st- effectively in a certain sense stole the 2020 election, there's not a word. Um, so it's pretty dismaying for us. But there's other things that come out, for example, like the... Um, People speaking up, you know, this one, um, in the Telegraph just yesterday, I think, uh, meat is crucial for human health, Santa say. Close to a thousand experts unite behind statements that rejects the zealotry of plant-based diets and promotes livestock farming. Um, good, good. I like, like, yeah. share, retweet. <clears throat> In fact, removing fresh meat and dairy from diets would harm human health. Women, children and the elderly and low income would be particularly negatively impacted. So government and governments are, Western governments in particular, are today trying to force people or encourage people or manipulate people to stop eating meat and go vegetarian, etc., etc. And if the evidence suggests that that would directly harm human health, and particularly women, children and elderly, would be particularly negatively impacted, and the government is pushing it, what conclusion can you draw? Either that they don't know the science, but they have a lot of scientists behind them when they're making these statements about how you should stop eating red meat, but yet there's a large body of scientific evidence backed by thousands of actual scientists who have come out, or a thousand actual scientists who have come out recently and tabled, you know, published a, a statement or paper saying that, no, actually this the go, this government policy on what people should eat, I, the, for suggesting that people are encouraging people to eat uh, only vegetables, would actually damage people's health. Do you, do, what does the government do about that? The government <coughs> goes and says, but has this study been peer-reviewed? Right, yeah, by us. <laughs> Peer, peer-reviewed by the government. Uh, by a bunch of eggheads, bureaucratic eggheads. Um, yeah, and then in other, that wasn't exactly woke, but I thought, I thought this was super funny. It's again from the Telegraph. Uh, Egypt, there's so, you know, there's a Netflix show. It's actually produced by, um, I think it's called, is it called Cleopatra? Right. It's, it's a, Cleopatra documentary. Uh, and it's produced by Will Smith's <coughs> super woke, super... Jada. In her masculine, Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, his, his his wife, I, I suppose she's still his wife. Um, as long as he keeps slapping people for saying, for telling jokes about her, he'll, he'll continue to be his wife, her wife, her husband. Um, anyway, um... So Egypt has officially, the Egyptian government has said uh, that that show casting Cleopatra as as a black woman is a blatant historical fallacy. Uh, The nation's ministry of of tourism and antiquities has released a statement pointing out that Cleopatra was descended from a dynasty of Greek rulers of Egypt and would therefore have possessed light-skinned and Hellenic features. Racist. Shut up! Racist. <clears throat> That's why we need to change history. So it's crazy. Like it's one thing, you know, when people in the West complain about that, but it's when an Egyptian. I mean, you think the Egyptians would? Because that's almost like a. You think you'd see. You think the Egyptians 
would would take that one as a win in a certain sense. Yeah, her being cast, she's she's black, so she's closer, obviously, to Egyptian. Especially people, so. the tourism, yeah, ministry, oh, yeah, more tourism, right? Yeah, but no, they just wanted to point out the fact that Cleopatra was actually Greek. You know, um, yes, and talking about heads of state and royal type people, um, this is awesome as well. Uh, you know Charles there's going to be a new king in England oh next week king yeah. of England next week no less yep God coronation save is our regime our regime it's um, coronation coronation king Charles public invited to swear allegiance to king Charles saw that yeah he won't be wearing that bandana he'll be wearing a nice um, crown but um, if you just scroll down let me see where it is uh, um, where do I see it? Uh, okay. If you go down, go down towards the bottom, basically, past the... Keep going. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Okay, just under there. So... Um, the king will pray aloud using words... Is that the right place? Hang on. Maybe I missed it. I have it here. Do you? On a, a shorter article. <laughs> too much too much text. Um Okay, sorry, just go up to the picture the, the one of the Queen. Where's the Queenie? There the video. Yeah. Uh so just above that. Um the Archbishop of Canterbury said it would recognise and celebrate tradition as well as continue elements that reflect the diversity of our contemporary society. The public would be given an active role in the ceremony for the first time, with people around the world set to be asked to cry out and swear allegiance to the king. Um, the, and just below that, the order of service will read, All who so desire in the Abbey and elsewhere say together, I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law, so help me God. The Archbishop of Canterbury will then proclaim, God save the king, with all asked to respond, God save King Charles, long live King Charles, may the king live forever and ever, amen. Uh, The homage of the people is particularly exciting because that's brand new. There's something we can share in because of technological advances so that not just the people in the Abbey, but people who are online, on television, who are listening and who are gathered in parks at big screens and churches. This sense of a great cry around the nation and around the world of support for the king. I'm reminded of, for some reason when I read that I was thinking, Star Wars. Was it Return of the Jedi? No. First Star Wars, I think. Don't look at me. I I sense that Obi-Wan Kenobi, I sense a disturbance in the force as if millions of voices cried out in terror and then were silenced. (laughs) Maybe what'll happen if, if if millions of people cry that out, that great cry around the nation? Do you think it'll be a good thing, Neil, or a bad thing? Uh, or it'll just it won't matter. It won't matter exactly. It reminds me of clap at six p.m. every Thursday. Sort of. Yeah. They're kind of hoping to recreate the national cohesion mm. that was brief there in twenty twenty in the UK. Yeah. Um, horrible cohesion. I swear that I will pay true allegiance to your majesty and to your heirs and successors according to law. 
unless we decide to depose him and bring in someone else who's 52 places removed in the actual, you know, descendancy, which mm. they've done before, mm. <laughs> to the guy who should be King Charles, who would have been King Charles III, and would, this would have been King Charles IV, but he's King Charles III because of a switcheroo, infamous switcheroo, which um, brought in first Dutch and then Germans. The Hanovers. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I, I've got, yeah, a little part of me is like, that's nice, that's traditional. Yeah. But the bigger part of me is like, I can't separate Charles from Klaus Schwab. Mm. And like, you want to pay allegiance to the regime, yet if the regime actually, you know, instantiates the will of the people, right. perhaps. Represents it. At but least. if it doesn't, against Parliament. If it's just then a, who's going to swear allegiance? If it's just a rubber stamp for Parliament, from the pathocrats in Parliament, then, uh, yeah, not much good. Elsewhere in England, um, the Bank of England this week said, um, what the hell is wrong all, with you people? Said we're all fucked. Well, it's a bit more nuanced, nuanced than that. <clears throat> he did complain, though. He had a complaint. Bank of England head said, what's wrong with you people? Why don't you just accept that you're going to be poor from here on out? Accept you're poor, remarks Mark Sparks by the because the governor said this, yeah? Yeah. Just accept that you're poor, unlike me. He was complaining that people, everyone wants a pay rise and strikes and cuts. And it's like, <laughs> we can't afford this. We can't afford it. Yet you can afford to give a couple of billion to Ukraine. Right. You can afford to print billions during 2020 when basically you told everyone to you, stay at home. You can for afford to... Three quarters of the year. You can afford to give millions in no-bid contracts to friends of politicians for PPE, yeah, personal protective equipment for the COVID scam, um, but not to the ordinary people, yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, here is the guy we all, all sensible people love to hate. Um, you can just actually play both of those, Scotty, so... Um, one on the left, one on the right. Just play the left hand one and just right click the next one. I think we have to get away from the blame game because so many of the things that you have mentioned were unknowns at the time. And the next one. So rather than, than have a blame game, and that's one of the mm. things that we have to stay away from because mm. there were things that happened and it was a you moving think? target and there were things that you did not know at the time and you had to out of necessity make Do a decision yeah. and sometimes the decision was partially right yeah he's lying so so it's, it's the, we have to get away from the blame game you know the um you know thing mistakes were made by people you know and wrong decisions were made by people but let's not get into the blame game because you know and I don't know who those people were who made those decisions, who handed down policies, you know what I mean, who, who, who told people to you know, lock themselves in their houses and stay away from their grannies and, lock and stop kids going to schools and, um, and, and banned alternative remedies and all that kind of stuff and acted like a little tin, tin pot dictator. I don't know who that person particularly was, but whoever it was, we should not engage in the blame game, right? Right. Just in the off chance that it might have been me that <clears throat> did any of that, we definitely should not do the blame game, right? Because I'm old and uh, retired, and retired, so I'm out of it now. So um, just just go away. Uh, but what they didn't know, actually, for example, 
well, here's here's some here's something on the blame game. Um, check this out. This is just a Twitter graph, and it's from the Twitter files from you know when the Twitter files were around. Um, an example of why there really should be a blame game being played. Um, this is Twitter email, and we all know about the Twitter files at this point. Biden government, intelligences, FBI, and all the rest working with social media to censor accurate information on social media about many different things, but including Twitter, this one specifically about uh, COVID, um, the message, internal message from Twitter, probably, you know, instigated or encouraged by the, by the FBI. Sending a heads up, we will take action on Martin Kuldorf, a professor of Harvard Medical School, for violating our COVID-19 misinformation policy, specifically by sharing false information regarding the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccines, which goes against CDC guidelines, as specified by Anthony Fauci. And what did Martin Kuldorf say that violated, egregiously violated these, these, these uh, guidelines that required him to be censored on Twitter? He said no, in response to someone asking, do you think younger age groups or people who already had the virus need to be vaccinated. He said, no, thinking that everybody, everyone must be vaccinated is as scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID, COVID vaccines are important for older high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor do children, which was absolutely 100% true, logical, rational at the time, even Fauci. But still, it was censored by, effectively by Fauci, the FBI, the Biden government, and assorted intel agencies, mm-hmm. and of course, their their shock troops on social media. In this case, people on Twitter, uh, or people behind the scenes on Twitter. Yeah. So, yeah, these aren't mistakes that were made. This was tyrannical, uh, an imposition of a of, of the, a, a tyranny, a bu- bureaucratic medical bureaucratic tyranny on the population that was done deliberately and in violation and complete ignor- and complete in complete uh, violation. Let's say or um, um, ignorance in the sense of ignoring evidence that was available that what they were saying with these guidelines and yeah, these tyrannical right. policies were not true, were not accurate, were not scientific. It violated not have... medical ethics 101. Right. Um, <clears throat> on that, uh, Bobby Kennedy has a, a plausible theory as to why they pushed so hard to get vaccines to everyone down to kids, everyone, healthy, unhealthy, whatever. He says in his book, actually, I'm reading at the moment, uh, The Real Anthony Fauci, um, it fits with how Fauci has done things like this in the past. Mm -hmm. He didn't want a control group. The last thing they wanted was what we were starting to do in late 21 and going into 22 was to start to compare, okay, how are the stats going in the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? Right. They wanted to obliterate that signal mm-hmm. by getting everyone yep. down to two-day-old infants, right. all of them, and then there'll be no. Then at Nothing the end, because the sh- they knew that there were injuries coming in at this point and deaths, and so they were like, "Let's get this now," because later on it'll be like, well, yeah. "We we don't know. We'll just put Let's this not play the beam, uh, We'll beam put beam. unknown cause of death in this second. Yeah. <laughs> Who can tell? They're all vaccinated. But lest anybody think that I'm anti-vax or anti-COVID, or I don't believe in the COVID narrative, uh, uh, I just want to put out this reminder just before we continue that, well, I'll, this is from the British government, actually. Uh, it was It's on their on the British government 
website. Just in case you haven't got one yet, people, you still have time to get a first and second dose of the COVID vaccine because the offer is ending. There's a one-time offer and it's ending for most people on the 30th of June this year. So you've got less than two months Good, good, good. To get out there, so only you, me, and anybody you know, please get them out because. Well, no, COVID, I don't. I don't. I'm uh, obviously you're. F- I got. No, I got seven. N- no, but you should start again. No, because at a certain point, as you know, it probably runs out. Oh, it's not yeah. effective anymore, so it's kind of like starting again. So if we can all get out and everybody go out there and get your COVID vaccine, because everybody you know COVID is 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 rampaging through the community at this point, and through care homes, and through hospitals, and through nurseries and schools and stuff. So um, it's a deadly, deadly virus, and um, it's asymptomatic. You won't have any symptoms before you actually die from it. So um, go out and get as many vaccines as possible right now for free. And I get a burger and fries with them as well. <coughs> that actually happened. Yep. <laughs> the I'm last bit is true. Um, here's someone else speaking then and now. Look at this side by side. Mm, Jesus. Trudeau. Misinformation and disinformation is carrying people to believe things that are untrue. And vaccinations is a perfect example of it. Any vaccine we distribute to Canadians will be safe for Canadians. You know, our people who've probably gotten very sick from vaccinations. Uh, every vaccine that is improved uh, is safe for Canadians is uncompromising. Well, individuals are allowed to make their own choices. There may be all sorts of different reasons why someone is hesitant to get vaccinated. There's no more excuses to not get your shot. And therefore, while not forcing anyone to get vaccinated, enforcement measures in place will make sure that everyone is vaccinated. I chose to make sure that all the incentives, travelers across the country need to be fully vaccinated. People coming into the country need to be fully vaccinated. We're there. Don't get to work in the public service. Don't get to go to movie theaters or gyms or restaurants to encourage Canadians to get vaccinated. And that's exactly what they did. We got vaccinated to a higher level than just about any other of our peer countries. Unknown causes was the leading cause of death in Alberta last year. If those people are so fucking stupid, if he's such a fucking idiot, he needs to go. You know, if he got it so wrong, he needs to go. You know? Okay. Him and all the rest of them who all said the same thing in Western countries and now are either, maybe they're not, some of them aren't as stupid as him to, to... to expose himself in that way as, yeah. you know, lying basically about what he said and didn't say. Um, but if they're so ignorant and so stupid, they, they need to go. They're, they're irresponsible. They're not competent for, for governments. They need to leave, right? But then they would say, well, we were just following the science. Okay, well then, sh- give the scientists. Pull, pull Fauci out. Who does the buck stop with here? Pull him out. I mean, let's put him in prison, you know? Instead, what's actually happening is um, politicians are being fired. Um, going back to the UK this week, Andrew Bridgen. Andrew Bridgen was a Conservative MP. He spoke out mostly late from late last year against the vaccination campaigns. He basically called for just to be paused, that's all, mm-hmm. especially as it was being lowered and pushed uh, down to an ever lower age in children. Uh, he was alerting Parliament with speeches about the evidence that it was indeed causing vaccine harm. He was first suspended from the Conservative Party and last week he was fired. Think about it now. He's an actual MP. He won in an election. So, and he was just summarily dismissed. First from the party. From the party. First, yeah. He was sent to the backbench, now from the party. So that's, 
someone who is elected to represent you, he cannot be represent you. Be a member of the party anymore. Well, no, he's, he's lost his seat. Yeah, they can't, I don't think they, they can't, they haven't removed him from, from a seat. I think they removed him from the party. But he can't be kicked out of, he can't, he can't be denied his seat until the next oh. election. You know what I mean? Well, I thought he, I thought he kicked lost out of, No, but it's, it's, it's just as bad. I mean, it's, it's saying that someone like him saying, listen, the COVID policies and vaccination policies were wrong. Uh, there are a lot of people who have been injured, the people were manipulated and forced and coerced in different ways, threatened to get a vaccine that they didn't necessarily need. And as a result of it, many of them are now injured as a result and that some, someone needs to be held to account. And for saying that, he was told basically that your views do not align with the Conservative Party, the ruling party in the, in the UK, and therefore you're kicked out. Okay. Thank you for checking that on me. I, I I must have leapt to yeah. my imagination well, was going wild there. I thought, but, Jesus Christ, they just. But in a certain sense, it's a means to that end that in the next general election, he they're hoping that he won't he won't get the votes uh-huh. from from the people because he's seen as persona non grata. They're hoping that people are stupid enough, conservative uh, voters in the UK are stupid enough to think that if he's no longer a member of the Conservative Party, as as ordained by or as deemed by the. Um, by the Conservative Party leadership, then we shouldn't vote for him either. Right. We shouldn't vote him back in next next election. <clears throat> anyway, um, did you see? <laughs> this is there was a great. I'll just put this up. It gets on the on the Russia uh, topic, but um, this was congressional hearing. Um, did I just send it to you, Scotty? Um, yeah, uh, congressional. Inquiry, hearing, whatever on Ukraine, what's going on in Ukraine? Um, talking to generals, American generals, uh-huh. uh, about what the deal is. Are we giving them enough weapons? Are they going to win bigly? Yeah, yeah, Are they yeah. going to beat Russia bigly? Is uh, Zelensky awesome? And what's how's it going? Uh, there's a great little piece in it. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's like he looks like the skull out of um, uh, that superhero. You know the guy that they anyway. Uh, have a listen. Our military assessment is the equipment that the U.S. and our partners providing enough to pave the way for a de- decisive victory um, against the Russians by Ukraine. Thank you, Senator, Ukraine. and uh, uh, thank you for the notes on, on your recent trip to Kiev as well. They were very helpful to me. Um, so we, we went into a, a planning process with our Ukrainian colleagues uh, last winter, and we uh, developed with them a number of courses of action, wargamed them carefully. And when, when we came down to the key courses of action for an offensive, um, we calculated the amount of equipment and the various types that they required, and we have fulfilled that. Um, we, we have nearly gotten everything into Ukraine, um, and and uh, I am I am confident they have what they need for the offensive that we we have planned with them. And I can go into significant detail in a, in a closed session with you, sir. Okay, we'll pick it up uh, then. Thank you, thank I'll you, General. To it, sir, thank you. Uh, you've just testified in response and to Senator Mr. Kelly that your belief is that they have what they need to be successful in the counteroffensive this spring in the South and in the East. Is that correct? That's correct, Senator. Our mantra is that we never want to see a fair fight. Do they have what they need to have an unfair advantage in this offensive going forward? Sir, they... they, um, 
they have to be better than the Russian force they face. There are great weaknesses oh, in yeah. the Russian force they face right now. Those right weaknesses now. are temporary, and the Russians really? will improve their posture and their capabilities over time. But time and the enemies, um, the Ukrainians' enemies' um, uh, capabilities is an important factor in this. And Don't I, they need more? I believe that they will have what they need. <laughs> He's like, so here's the thing. Blumenthal's like, so here's the thing. Um, America doesn't like fair fight, right? We never, I mean, historically, we don't engage in fair fights, right? We only beat up on the on the small guy, right? Turkey like, shoes. Yeah, we like turkey shoes. We like to beat up on the small guy because that's what great powers do, right? That's how you show your greatness, by beating up on the little guy, you know? And, 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 and structuring it so that we always win, you know? And then we declare that they were a really tough enemy, but actually we just beat the crap out of them because they were a small country. Uh, we, or we sanctioned them like for years beforehand until their country was kind of like economically destroyed and then we bombed the shit out of them like a Turkish shoot. With no air defence. With no air defence. And that's how we like it, you know, general. So anyway, moving on from that. In, in terms of Ukraine, that's what we want to see in Ukraine right now. Um, is that what's going to happen again? Can you just tell me is that, is that, is that what's going to happen? Are we going to win big league again? Like, are we going to smack, smack the Russians and it'll be, yay, America? And is that going to happen? Uh, and the guy's like, uh, well, let me explain to you, uh, Senator. Um, you know, uh, in a war, uh, like, for one side to win, it has to be better than the other side, right? Right. And the guy's like, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got that, yeah. Uh, this is this is like this is like PhD level war, war gaming, you know what I mean? Like, right. So, um, and he's like, right now, the enemy is weak. of Ukraine, uh, that... He didn't say Russia. The enemy of Ukraine is weak. He, but but, he, but that's he only right now. I forgot to add that in. Yeah. He was saying the enemy. The enemy, yeah. <laughs> but but that's, it's only right now. Uh, that's going to change. Uh, so in a little while, they're going to be stronger. And by, as I just told you, the stronger side will win in a war. So kind of what I'm saying is that we're giving them weapons as much as possible right now to hope that they'll win, but it looks like in the near future, Russia's going to beat Ukraine. Does that answer your question? Uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, thanks. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> Last week, we heard General Petraeus reiterate a version of this. And I, we were, I was flabbergasted, so I asked you, I mean, does he really believe what he's saying, that the Ukraine is going to beat Russia? Yeah. Um. We wondered about that. How, is he just projecting an aura of calm because he knows the checks are coming in? Mm -hmm. It helps the, mm -hmm. the grease flow in, in mm -hmm. Washington, D.C. Well, this is a bit more clear cut. This mm -hmm. is like a general who's been asked specifically about the material they need. Mm -hmm. Yep, we've given them everything. We're ready. We're, we're going to beat them. Yeah. They really sound like they, they think they're going to win. Well, here. they have to say that. It's to, keep, it's to keep the whole thing going. They have to appear to win in the end. And they're desperately at this point trying to I, structure it in such a way that it looks like they didn't lose. That, because like they said, who, uh, there's several of them have said that if Russia isn't defeated, we're all screwed. And their, and their calculation of the whole thing in their complex geopolitical energy, you know, propaganda, optics, all that kind of stuff, if Russia isn't soundly defeated or isn't seen to be defeated in this conflict, then the West is screwed. So we have to keep up the appearance. So let's at least, at the very least, let's keep up the, up the appearance that Russia, that Ukraine is, is, is winning um, and is going to win. 
it's, anytime now it's going to win. Anytime now there's going to be a big offensive. Anytime now that big offensive is going to really take back Crimea and Donbass and turn Russia into like a, a federation of non-aligned states, or whatever. Um, and and the Republic we got to Tartar stand. Right, we got to keep 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 that that talk up basically, uh-huh. while behind the scenes things go in exactly the opposite direction. Okay. And that's probably your final word on it. But it occurred to me watching that a second time that what did he mean by an unfair fight? Might there be a surprise here that there? He was talking historically. But we, don't, we don't like to see it. Yeah. We don't like to be in. We like to be. Uh, what did he say? Yeah, we like to. We, li- we always like to have an unfair fight. I.e., we we always like to. Make I. Sure well, what he meant by <clears> that was what gives us the advantage here. Yeah. Well, they don't have any. Well, he's talking historically how America can't, America never loses, right? Even if they do technically, let's say, lose or it goes wrong, they can never be seen to lose. Like, you know, Iraq, Libya, you know, Afghanistan, Syria, it's always really bad. And we don't want to see a situation where it it, it leaks out or there's a general perception around the world or it's very clear for most people around the world that, that, that America lost. You know what I mean? And that's why we're like not actually, we're not even mentioning Russia here in a certain sense. We're just saying Ukraine's enemy and that the one, you know, this country that Ukraine is fighting, right? Not us, right? Because if it ever became, we don't want to talk about America fighting Russia because if it doesn't go well and Russia wins, then Russia will be seen to have defeated America, which is like the fucking end of the, it's the end of the country. They're all going to commit suicide. Like, they're all going to commit Harry Carey, you know, Harry Carey. So, um, that's it's it's bizarre. I mean, it's an example of just how much the Americans have forever lived on and off perception, propaganda, the image, the optics. How yeah. they've convinced you know the 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 exercise of American power around the world and the implementation of American power around the world has been at least fifty percent through reputation, and that reputation is sacrosanct and cannot be tarnished in any way, in any serious way. Yeah. Well, the Yuki's um, in the last two days have been shelling the Bryansk region again. This last incident early this morning killed two people. They also hit an oil terminal with some kind of drone mm-hmm. in Sevastopol. Um, <laughs> but how do you compare that to the Russian Ministry of Defense saying they destroyed a command center in Kherson with the launch of like a dozen sea-based cruise missiles? Mm. Like shelling a little township versus that kind of firepower, mm. it's still a no contest, you know? Um, There's an update on the on the Nord Stream 1 and 2, who did it. I know you're still in doubt about who, who blew up the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines, right? You're still, you're still on the fence about it. Wasn't the Greek anarchists aligned with Kiev? Well, the... Is that in English? Yeah. Uh, the, the translation of uh, Danish information... Danish website uh, and it quotes the Danish Defence Command saying that that Russian ship as you can see that the Russian special vessel SS-750 which had, an, which had a mini submarine on board was photographed near the place where the Nord Stream pipeline was sabotaged the Danish Defence Command confirmed so there you go you can get a first here folks Part well second here that's obviously first on that website second here we're letting you know that that ship right there blew up the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipelines the, the ship that lays the pipe yeah. blew it up yeah exactly right okay it was a mistake they just accidentally blew it up instead of fixing it um, and then there's 
This I saw the, those British depleted uranium shells are being used, by the way. Yeah, they're already in Ukraine. Scumbags. Thanks. Um, Medvedev has gone full Russian bear on Ukraine. Um, <laughs> it's funny how he's off the leash since the start of. He's now calling for the complete. This is a. Uh, Ex-Russian President Dmitry Medvedev is calling for the complete dismantling of the Kiev regime, as well as for inflicting mass destruction on the country's military personnel and hardware. Um, isn't that what they've been trying to do? Well, I don't know. They've not been doing it with one hand tied behind the back kind of thing. Maybe. It depends. When the time is right, I suppose you might have the opportunity to do that. You have to attract them first. That's what all war is about. It's not about territory gained. It's about whether or not you can uh, destroy the the enemy's military capability enough that it's basically game over, and then you can have as much territory as you want. Uh, this I came across this, and I thought it was a joke. It's a website called Zelp, and they make that. They're making that for cows. Uh, Zero emissions livestock project develops cattle wearable technology to neutralize methane that they breathe out. I think they have one for their arses as well, but they're not showing it here. But anyway, it's for cows breathing, and they put on this, like, mask, so they breathe out mostly through their nose, and it goes through and it extracts the methane from cows breathing, and that's going to save the planet. And it's real. <laughs> <laughs> and I just thought I'd share that with face mask for cows. I saw it, so you do too. You have to, too. You have to as well. Um... Because I can't, I can't just, you know. You can't just suffer it alone. I can't suffer it alone. And in other good news, related good news, although title, the title wouldn't necessarily lead you to believe that, related good news, but I think it's good news because uh, there's an, om- an ominous heating event is unfolding in the oceans. Average sea surface temperatures have soared to record highs and stayed there. It's a worrying si- signal of an ocean in crisis. First paragraph is, to call what's happening in the oceans right now an anomaly is a bit of an understatement. Since March, average sea surface temperatures have been climbing to record highs, as shown in the dark line in the graph above. For, for me, that's good news because it means the ocean, when I go to the beach this summer, it's going to be warmer. <laughs> awesome. But I will... Yeah, of course, what they tell you is that's why they need to gag the cows. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. So as I'm driving past all those masked cows on my way to the overheated ocean. Uh, well, it balances out, no? You can, en- <laughs> you can enjoy the overheated ocean as long as your cows are masked. You're not driving to the beach. No, I wanna, I'm flying in a private jet. No, you can cycle. Yeah. yeah. Might be that, that might have something to do with the 19,000 undersea volcanoes they discovered last week. Right. Undersea volcanoes. That's, um, are they human? Human-made undersea volcanoes? Shh. We don't talk about that. Human activity did those. <clears throat> we don't talk about that. Um, Same with over, Overland. I mean, they just... It's, I was going to say it's the elephant in the room, but it's, it's not. It's the volcano in the room. I mean, obviously, if there is excess of heat or gas or anything, mm-hmm. the first go-to place is what's going on with volcanoes yeah, and or the seismic activity. No, it's what's going on with cows. Cows farting and you, you know, driving your car too much. That's what causes the volcanoes to erupt, Neil. 
fuck's sake, get with the program, will you? Have you ever seen him try to square that? Shut up. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, okay? The we, science is settled. We've talked in the past about the, the extent to which the US dollar is used still around the world. Until recently, I thought it was still 90%, despite no, the kind of talk of stuff. It's now at 58%. Hmm. Down from 73% 20 years ago. So it was never that high. Maybe 90% in some key trades like oil and energy. Um, yeah. It depends and falling on what's, what's fast. For. This is from um, it's a petrodollar some analyst. That's important. Most important. That's the, okay. That's what everybody needs, you know. You can always be sure, as long as the petrodollar exists, that they're always going to be using it for, you know, everybody needs that, right? All, all the commodities can ever flow, whatever, you know, some of them anyway. But, um, yeah, at a certain point, when it gets below a certain point, it'll be time for the CBDCs. For the what? CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency. Oh, not to be confused with the hemp oil. No. Okay. Not CBC, CBD. Um, on this this article, just it's it's from a month ago, but and it even goes back older. This was known, but just in case anybody didn't know it, um, about them sanctions, about them sanctions, and them Russian sanctions. Right. North Africa diesel exports to Europe surges. Russia digs deeper into Ukraine. The title doesn't tell you very much, but. Read down and you go realize that in March this year, Morocco imported the most Russian diesel of the North African countries, shipping 180,000 barrels per day. March has seen North African countries import 250,007 barrels per day of diesel from Russia, the highest amount since the beginning of the Ukraine war. And then the very next paragraph. At the same time, North Africa has also seen its fuel exports, especially to Europe, rise since Russian President Vladimir Putin launched his full-scale evil invasion of Ukraine. So put those two things together and them's your sanctions. It's like, we're not buying any more Russian oil because Russia's evil and we're just going to have to work it out. And then quietly, Morocco, buy a bunch of Russian oil and sell it to us at a higher price, okay? But don't fucking tell anybody. <laughs> that's, that's only... That's one, exa- one, one small example that's of what's one, been going he, on. Here's, do you know what the main route is? Scotty's going to put it up here. This is also a headline this week. Guess who has become the world's largest exporter of oil to Europe? Micronesia. India. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which has no oil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Russian oil, this is Bloomberg, Russian oil still powering Europe's cars with the help of India. <clears throat> At least they're open about it, Russian oil still powering. I mean, right. You know, again, it's like just jaw dropping. You know, it's like we're, we're, we're hitting, you know, we're sanctioning Russia. We're not buying its oil and gas. <clears throat> but actually, we are through a third country which means we're buying it at a higher price, which means our energy costs are going up and they're being passed on to the consumer and food costs are going up, et cetera, et cetera. So we're screwing over our people via these Europeans and Americans. They're screwing over their people via these Russian sanctions while not doing anything against Russia because Russia's, you know, maybe it's selling it slightly cheaper to, 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 um, to India and Morocco and other countries who then resell it back to Europe who won't buy Russian oil except if they buy it through a third country. <clears throat> But even so, because the West is, there is a, a shortfall and they're having to put more money into renewables, which aren't really, uh, which, which aren't, aren't, aren't working very well. They're, you know, it depends on whether the wind blows, the sun shines, whatever, you know. So basically, Russia is selling more overall, even if it's a lower price, it's selling more to 
because of the san- because of the general sanctions climate type thing, you know, they're selling more to other countries. Um, so they're not, they're not hitting Russia in any significant way at all. Um, they're only screwing over their own populations. Yeah, and do you, you think they don't know this? Doubly, yeah. because India is paying for that oil from crude oil from Russia in right. rupees. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, yeah. So the, de-dollarization. The, the, there's ruble rupee trade going on that bypasses the euro and the dollar. Right. De-dollarization. Yeah. So it's just madness. Like that's that's what happens every week. You know, we come on here and it's just a, a litany of nonsense, madness, insanity. You know, and you know, extreme government corruption, ex- increasingly extreme government corruption being exposed and increasingly increasing amount of crickets from the population. You know what I mean? Increase, increasing apathy or sad. You know, you'd think that as the evidence of corruption and re- idiocy and fecklessness and recklessness towards the population by government in Western countries, as that increases, you would think that people get more and more vocal more and more angry. It's more and more, more French about more, it. Yeah, more and more protests and stuff. But you see, less. Well, or at least no difference, no change whatsoever, you know. And what do you do? What do you want? Pitchforks and torches? Something like that, yeah. Maybe they're all quietly... Just waiting. They're, they're sharpening like the pitchforks. I mean, where, where's your pitchforks? Uh, it's out the back somewhere. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all I can handle for this week. Um... In terms of that's just the, you know, I mean, we'd like to, <laughs> we'd like to be able to tell you. Uh, well, small detail. Um, yeah. The U.S. government was named last week in a formal report as the coordinator of an international child trafficking network. Anyway, moving on. Here's Tom with the weather. Yeah. Um, same thing. Kind of like it was a bombshell thing on Fox News because they had a whistleblower at Congress saying, "Yeah, so I worked in you know HHS the." Human Health Services Department, and I was at the border thinking I was doing one thing, and I couldn't believe what was what I was seeing. There's an organised Biden administration or government, US yeah. government uh, operation to traffic children, traffic children from to Latin- sponsors who can be like uh, the, the Mexican cartel gangs, who then you know sell them for as sex slaves or as child labour. Child labour was the main thing. She mm. said, the, she said, we're talking 19th century level of child labour is going on in the United States now. And they're using immigrants. Yeah. And this is what the this is what the the Democrats and the left are supporting. The bleeding heart, like let the immigrants in. That's what they're actually supporting. I mean, it's obviously not black and white, but um, that's been building for years. Yeah. I mean, but I wonder if this is related. The Biden administration has given the green light to, in principle, he hasn't done it yet. But in principle, U.S. troops can now be deployed to the border, ostensibly to thwart drug trafficking, but. I think they're they're heading for a mess at the border, and the fact that they so adamantly did everything opposite to what Trump wanted is going to they're going to end up doing what he wanted, but worse mm. or too late or something. It, yeah, that that I don't even know. I, I don't. They're so caught up in. Who's saying it, a Democrat or a Republican? You know, mm-hmm. It's kind of like abortion in the United States. It depends on who's saying it. What, what, no one can really think clearly about it. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, there's an actual problem where hundreds of thousands of kids just disappear into mm. the U.S. It's bizarre to me that 
that this the kind of tyranny that we're seeing or the kind of you know seriously negative social and cultural shifts and changes that are happening in Western society and particularly in America but in, in Western Europe as well. It's bizarre to me that that's all happening under a leftist agenda, you know. Because you go on. It, it's because I mean you know Jonathan Haidt uh-huh. and his care, his 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 moral taste buds, and that different people have different um, mm-hmm. different natures effectively, where they're focused more on uh, different uh, kind of values. Let's say you know um, the leftist value would be primarily have a care foundation which is care and compassion and consideration for others right and a lot of this stuff is happening in America that, that we're critical of and a lot of people are critical of is happening and being supported by the population on the basis of it being about caring for others mm-hmm. but it's going in a very tyrannical direction because it's like it's people are being censored shut down it has all the hallmarks of a, 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 of, of a tyranny of a, of a kind mm-hmm. of fascism or totalitarianism but on the basis of we're doing this because we care, and it ostensibly is about you know it's compassion for all the minorities and the um, you know um, oppressed groups and that kind of stuff. Let's you know, say transgenders and Black Lives Matter and you know LGBT and blah blah blah, um, and it's going in that direction on that basis, you know, because I always thought that th- that kind of tyranny and totalitarianism would always have come from the more right wing. Uh, foundations, you know, of kind of loyalty, in-group loyalty and uh, justice and, and and that kind of thing, you know. Um, but it's bizarre that it's, for me it's bizarre that it's happening from the opposite side, you know, and it's even worse because we have uh, Nazi Germany <clears throat> as a kind of right wing and it was probably defined by, you know, it was, you know, the excesses of Nazi Germany and, and what they're held up today as the as the thing never to do again, were, were based on kind of in-group loyalty and uh, you know, you know, persecu- persecute the Jews, persecute minorities, yeah. persecute others because they're not po- they're not conspecific, they're not they're not like yeah. us, right? So, and that's what we should never do again, you yeah. know. So it was always tyranny on that basis of the historical precedent was that it was a right-wing thing. Now it's a left-wing thing, and the same kind of thing is happening. From the left, and it's bizarre to me mm. that you could that you could do the same thing on the basis of compassion. I could always I can understand how you could do it on the basis of get get the get the foreigners out, get the the those not part of our in group out, persecute them. They're they're the problem. I can understand how you could go in that direction. Mm-hmm. They did Nazi Germany on that basis, but not on the left lefty compassion basis. You know. Yeah, um, but the, yeah, the, the compassion doesn't translate into actual. Objective for the average person, results. it is though the manipulation is is where people get hooked into it is on the basis of that compassion, right? All the people who are supporting, you know, uh, you know, a reassignment surgery, you know, like basically mm-hmm. butchering young children and stuff, having their genitals and removed and stuff, uh-huh. is based on compassion. Compassion, but but how? Uh, <coughs> what are the actual outcomes for the people you're being compassionate for? But they don't look that far. Suicide rate I doubles. Know. But they don't look at the details. That's the problem. What about granny during lockdown? Yeah. Remember, oh, well, say yeah, granny, yeah. say granny. More grannies died that spring than they would ordinarily have if we hadn't done anything. Yeah. Right. And the worst thing is that problem because you have that history. AOC goes to the border. Child exploitation goes to the roof. Right. Exactly, <laughs> but that's why because people aren't looking at the details. They're not. They're not being skeptical enough. They're not being not critically thinking enough. They're not looking into. It. They're just going with their their base, you know, compassion, care. You know, if if it even smells a bit of any kind of discrimination against a minority, it's bad. You know, stop that from happening and let them do what they want. You know, support the thing. You know, uh, and the problem is that if you try and push back against it now, 
that that historical precedent of Nazi Germany, which is very much in news today, right? You get called a Nazi for pushing it back against the modern, new, the reinvented leftist Nazism. You get called a 1930s Nazi. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's like a setup. You know what I mean? It's like you're you're caught in a bind. You know what I mean? That you've been you're, you're some. It has somehow has been set up where you are caught, and you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. You've just explained. You answered your own question. Why don't people rise up to all the shit that's coming down? Because yeah, because it's, it's a minefield. Up. Yeah, psychologically and uh, legally, and there are a few people who are brave enough to speak up in spite of it all. Yeah, nothing thread that needle I think you know very difficult anyway um, yeah so yeah I would like to uh, I brought you some shiny happy bunny rabbits and rainbows news but you know the best we can do is try and keep it light and see the funny side of it if such a thing exists Um, yeah so I think we'll leave it there for this week unless you've got something else Neil do you no yeah so leave it there for this week folks thanks for watching thanks for listening thanks for commenting don't forget to like and subscribe we'll be back next week with another show so until then have a good week see ya thanks for watching bye can't stop the signal now